Welcome everybody to the Ride In NFL DFS podcast for week 11. Brought to you by FanshareSports.com. Head on over to FanshareSports.com. Check out their ownership tools to help you build a millionaire maker winning lineup. All right guys, so week 11 is here. Let's get right into it. At quarterback, Lamar Jackson, 7,700. He's just breaking the quarterback pricing structure. And we know DraftKings likes to price quarterbacks pretty flat uh we've seen that over the last two or three years that you know all the playable quarterbacks are within like fifteen hundred dollars of each other for the most part uh but what he's doing is he is you know just breaking that he is running for a hundred yards a game uh in certain instances and i think he still hasn't even scratched the surface of hitting his ceiling price um so let's take advantage of the fact that DraftKings likes to price their quarterbacks flat and Lamar just doesn't deserve that. So we can jam him in. A little bit lower than that, I think Dak Prescott at 6,700, traveling to Detroit, indoor game, on the fast track, healthy complement of weapons against one of the worst secondaries in the league. Dak should have a pretty good game. Now, I think there's a lot of leverage here to be had in tournaments with Zeke uh, because he hasn't looked great since the bye week. I mean, he ran for 130 yards two weeks ago against the Giants, but, you know, just didn't get in the end zone. So I think there's a little bit of recency bias here. Uh, Last week against the Vikings, he looked pretty terrible. Uh, The run game couldn't get going. And then you know, Dallas play calling, trying to jam Zeke up the middle on second and third down as the game ended, kind of cost them the game. So I think there's a little bit of recency bias there with Zeke, so he's not a bad tournament pivot. But, I mean, Amari should be able to have his way with Darius Slay. I know a lot of people think that they need to avoid Darius Slay, not a matchup I'm too worried about. And Randall Cobb, Michael Gallup, Blake Jarwin, and even Zeke out of the backfield to an extent are enough weapons for them to just, you know, get after this Lions defense. And then if we are going to drop all the way down, if you need to get or if you want to get multiple studs in your lineup this week, you may have to save at quarterback. I think Kyle Allen is the guy you should be targeting. Um, The Falcons are pretty much a pass-funnel defense. Uh, We saw it last week. I mean, actually, last week, they just, they completely stoned the the Saints. But we've seen it uh, for the most part this year where they have a ton of trouble stopping opposing passing attacks. But they have been able to, for the most part, limit opposing running backs. So I think Kyle Allen has a pretty high floor. And we've seen it, you know, like every week. DJ Moore is a recommendation. Curtis Samuel is a recommendation. Christian McCaffrey is a recommendation. Greg Olson is, you know, seen as a punt play at tight end. But nobody mentions Kyle Allen. Well, I think he is a fine play at his 5,300 price point. 
And those are pretty much the only three quarterbacks that I'm going to uh, decide between at this point in cash games. Uh, I think running back's pretty straightforward. Obviously, we have Christian McCaffrey again at 10-5. His price didn't budge. Like I said, the matchup's a little bit uh, deceivingly tough. The Falcons, not that they are like this stout run defense, but a lot of times offense just move the ball easier through the air against them, so that is the way they scheme it. And, I mean, Chris McCaffrey is enough a part of the passing game that I think, you know, he's not going to get scripted out of this game. And we've seen him hit value against the 49ers. Uh, So I think he is obviously the top running back option. Uh, Dalvin Cook has a run funnel matchup against the Broncos. The Broncos have been absolutely lights out uh, against opposing passing attacks. Chris Harris has been locking down number one receivers, so I think Stephon Diggs is in for a rough day. Uh, But over the last couple weeks, really Dalvin Cook has seen Christian McCaffrey like usage. He's getting upwards of 25 carries. He's getting five to seven targets. And we've seen that from him. We've seen 20 total touches from him in almost every game this year. But now they're even ratcheting it up more. And he's not. the thing is, he's not even on the field for all the snaps. He only gets about 70 to 75% of the snaps. But when he's on the field, there's about a 50-50% chance that he is touching the ball. From there, Josh Jacobs gets the nut matchup of the week at home. Highest implied total of the week. Yes, you heard that correct. The Raiders currently have the highest implied total of the week, and Josh Jacobs is 6,900 on DraftKings. So I think, I mean, there's a little bit of sticker shock there when you see his price because he's been floating around 5 to 6K all, all year. Uh, but when you think about the, the running backs that are around him, Le'Veon Bell, uh, Mark Ingram, Marlon Mack, he is, in this, this week at least, just as good a play as any of those guys. I think he has 120-yard, two-touchdown upside for sure, throwing a few catches there. And we have a 30-burger from Josh Jacobs at under 7K. Uh, He is a pretty much game script-dependent running back, so if somehow Ryan Finley comes out and starts dicing up this Raiders defense, he may not see the amount of carries that we expect. However, it's it's really tough for me to see this game get away from the Raiders to a point where Jacobs gets completely phased out. I think he is a great play at 6,900. Uh, from there, obviously, we need to talk about the third string running back in the room, and that is Brian Hill at 4,800. The more I studied, researched this matchup uh, and the Falcons' tendencies, the harder it is to not slot Brian Hill into our lineup. Uh, the Falcons are a team that, over the le- over at least over the past few weeks, have given their lead back most of the work, right? Whether it was Devontae Freeman uh, for one game, Ito Smith, And even last week, Brian Hill got 20 carries against the Saints. They're not a defense that is going, excuse me, they're not an offense that is going to rotate running backs as often as we see 
other offenses do so, you know, like the Broncos with Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsay, like the 49ers with Tevin Coleman and Matt Breida, there's not going to be a 50-50 timeshare. I think Brian Hill is going to get the majority of the carries. And Carolina is a defense that has been gashed by the run. Uh, we saw Aaron Jones do it last week. And pretty much every matchup they're in, they cede a lot of fantasy points to running backs and are pretty good, actually, at limiting opposing passing attacks. Now, James Bradbury did not play last week. He's questionable this week. If he is out, that kind of makes it, um, you know, pick your poison. I think they can go at Julio. They can go at Calvin Ridley to to get them in the end zone. But Brian Hill is a he's a pretty accomplished pass catcher. Uh, you know, he hasn't had a ton of success in in that aspect this year, but he is definitely a capable pass catcher and he's looked pretty good to be honest you know in the the limited carries that he's had now obviously last week Saints run defense is pretty good did a good job of limiting limiting him and he they knew that that the Falcons were running right a ton of those carries came in the fourth quarter when the Falcons were up two scores but he's looked pretty spry Brian Hill has Uh, I remember I think it was two or three weeks ago he spelled Devontae Freeman on a drive and, you know, turned the corner on a stretch run and took it to the house from about 30 yards out. And I've watched him at Wyoming. I'm a, I used to be a big college football DFS guy when it was allowed in Pennsylvania. And, you know, those, those late slate Wyoming games pairing him up with Josh Allen uh, were fun times. So I think he is definitely in play. I'm not going to say that he is a 100% stone-cold lock, but he's probably your best bet at 20 DK points under 5K. I, I truly believe that. Uh, at 5,500, I think we could definitely talk about Joe Mixon. You know, he got 30 carries last week. He's seeing a usage bump. He's actually starting to produce with that usage. So Joe Mixon at the Raiders uh, can definitely be a consideration. And then J.D. McKissick has a pretty high floor with all of the targets he should see in a catch-up game from the Lions uh, against the Cowboys. He's not a guy that's he can easily get game scripted out. Um, but you know what, though? The Lions throw so much and kind of have avoided running that I think McKissick is a lock for six to eight targets. And at 4,600, you, know, you could do worse for sure. Okay, so at wide receiver, contingent upon uh, Ty Johnson not being able to go, if if J.D. McKissick gets most of the Lions snaps, gets some carries, and more importantly, in a game script where the Cowboys should be leading, gets some targets, at 4,600, I think we can definitely uh, consider him an option. Okay, let's take a look at the wide receiver position. I mean, obviously, Michael Thomas, his price is a little bit prohibitive this week. It's not as easy as just jam him in because he's only 8K. He's up near Christian McCaffrey's price at near 10K now. Um, Personally, I think I lean, as of right now, in cash towards Christian McCaffrey, um, just based on the volume. You know, it's hard to argue with close to 30 touches. Um, I know Mike Thomas is going to probably get double-digit targets, um, 
but he has to score to pay off 10K now. You know, 12 for 120 is 27 DraftKings points. And, you know, that's just not going to cut it at 10K, whereas Christian McCaffrey does have a little bit more touchdown upside, in my opinion, which puts him a notch above Thomas. If you don't think it's too thin and you're trying to jam them both in, I mean, this week I think it's pretty thin. I think it's tough to get two 2K, two 10K players in your lineup. Um, but if you think, you know, you're, you're jamming in McKissick and some of the other values that we're going to talk about, to get two 10K players in, that's your prerogative, but I just, I'm leaning McCaffrey if I'm only using one. Okay, some other receivers. Obviously, DJ Moore, uh, just under 6K, gets the 29th ranked Atlanta Falcons defense. In terms of fantasy points allowed to wide receivers, that is, you know, Moore is a pretty good mid range option. Uh, Others, Debo Samuel is probably going to be the chalk with Emmanuel Sanders, George Kittle probably sitting out. And I think it's good chalk. We saw him go over 100 yards last week and really look good in that Monday night game against the Seahawks. Now he gets the Arizona Cardinals. Pretty good matchup. Uh, as long as he doesn't see shadow coverage from Patrick Peterson, which I, I'm, not, I'm not going to act like I know what the Cardinals game plan is going to be if they are just going to leave Peterson on one side or if they think Debo is good enough to, uh, you know, turn Peterson loose on him on every play. But I still think at 4K, it's hard to go wrong with him probably going to see 8 to 10 targets. Uh, from there, I think we can look at Tyler Boyd and Mohamed Sanu in that 5K range. Boyd gets the Raiders. They're giving up the fifth most points to slot receivers. Sanu gets the Eagles, who have just been trashed by receivers all year long. I think both guys at 5K are are definitely in play. And then Demarius Thomas at 3900, he's questionable right now, but you know, his opportunity really hadn't matched his output from a fantasy points perspective until last week. You know, he's being targeted uh, upwards of 6789 times per game and at 3900, he provides some much needed salary relief this week. Uh, in a week where, you know, there's not a ton of value, um, but uh, there are some pretty nice studs for us to pay up for. And I think, uh, you know, Thomas, Samuel, Brian Hill, those three kind of allow us to build a pretty solid lineup around them. And then if we want to get even cheaper, Russell Gage with Austin Hooper out, with Sanu traded away, Gage played a ton in the slot, and I think that he can, you know, he's definitely a top candidate for points per dollar. The problem is he's a $3,300 receiver who's probably going to see six targets, and, you know, his final stat line might be four for 40. Is that good enough? Well, you have to weigh that in your 2v2 and your 3v3s. Um, Personally, uh, it, it does seem a bit thin to me to just count on, you know, eight or nine points from a 3K receiver especially when I think Demarius Thomas and Debo Samuel have much, a much higher ceiling at only a few hundred dollars more. And finally at tight end, I think that it's going to be a week to pay down. We have a few options. Um, I don't know if Ross Dwelly is going to be chalk. He looked pretty good last week in that Monday night game against Seattle. He got seven targets, which is promising. 
His price hasn't come up too much at 3400 So he's a pretty cheap tight end. And if he gets the work, uh, he ran a ton of routes. He, he pretty much is playing the Kittle role, right? I mean, they have Garrett Selleck, but he is not. He's slotting in as more of an inline blocker. They do send him out on routes as well. But Dwelly is, is acting more like Kittle. Whether or not Garoppolo targets him uh, with the same volume as he did last week remains to be seen. But I think at 3,400, it's hard to argue against it. Um, Greg Olson at 3,900. Uh, I mean, this is another one that I think is a little bit thinner. I think I prefer Dwelly, honestly, in this spot. Uh, Olsen had a pretty nice week last week, but I'm trying not to let recency bias dictate the rostering of a tight end this week. I think that he could have success against a Falcons defense that gives up a ton of points to the slot. He does run about half of his routes out of the slot, so that is somewhat promising. But I think Dwelly and Olsen are going to be our main targets. If you want to spin up a little more, which I don't think is really necessary... Jared Cook also runs about 70% of his routes from the slot, or at least he's targeted about 70% of the time from the slot. And the Buccaneers are pretty putrid at allowing or stopping slot receivers from racking up fantasy points against them. So those three, I think, are, are our options. I don't, I mean, every pretty much every tight end that's worth his salt has a difficult matchup this week. Um, so I think those three are going to be my cash options with, you know, Chalk Dwelly probably getting the nod. I'm not 100% sure at this point. It does also depend on the health of Emmanuel Sanders. If Sanders is out, he and Kittle not being there just open up so many targets for these uh, pass catchers on the 49ers. At defense, I think I'll be targeting... Uh, in all contests, the three defenses that have the biggest gap in offensive line versus defensive line adjusted sack rate, that is the Minnesota Vikings against the Denver Broncos facing, you know, Brandon Allen on his first road start uh, of his career. So that seems like a promising spot. The Redskins facing Sam Darnold, seeing ghosts in D.C. maybe. And also the Niners against the Arizona Cardinals. All three of those defenses have a huge advantage, defensive line versus offensive line. And I think those will be the three that I target. Okay, guys, it is King of the Beach week for me. Uh, So on Saturday, I don't know if I am going to be giving out a, a core four only because if it ever came down to a late swap situation and it was out on the airwaves exactly who I was going to be playing in my lineups, that probably wouldn't go well. I know it's, you know, un- improbable that one of the 200 other entrants in this DraftKings King of the Beach contest even listens to this podcast, but I don't want to leave any edge out there. So I will, you know, do another Saturday update, but I don't think I will be narrowing down my, my favorite players for this week. Okay, that's it. Good luck in your full slate lineups. If you're, if you're tossing in lineups today, 
Good luck in your showdown lineups. I actually got a DM that said, can you please do showdown content for all of the slates? And I'm thinking about it. So I think on maybe on uh, on Monday, I obviously do the Monday night showdown slates. Going forward on this initial rundown, I'll probably touch on the Thursday slate uh, at the end. And then on the Saturday update, I can probably touch on the Sunday showdown for Sunday night football. Look forward to that going forward. Good luck in all your contests this weekend.